welcome. My name is Sarah Lynn. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Mindful Toolbox. We explore many different activities, tips, and resources that support emotional and mental well-being. All of these are done through the lens of supporting children's mental health, but they're really helpful for just about anyone. I can't wait to share this week's episode with you, but be sure to refer to our webinar that is linked on our website, betteringyouth.co.uk, so you could follow along with all of the details that we are showing. All right, let's hop in to this month's webinar. So today's specific topic is gratitude's great gift. So let's just hop right in. So there are a couple of objectives for today. The first is discussing what gratitude is, where it comes from, how it can alter our brains. So looking at the science behind gratitude, how it supports our mental health, how we can actually go about practicing it, and then what the secret might be behind allowing it to work to the best of its ability, and then discussing how we can actually implement it into our daily lives. Now, again, most of what we're sharing will be done through the lens of supporting children and young people. However, everything here is definitely relevant to anyone who has a brain and mental well-being. So let's hop in first by discussing what is gratitude. There are a lot of different beliefs out there. However, mine is as follows. It is the conscious reflection on people, things, or experiences that elicit feelings of joy, love, and appreciation. So this is kind of how I go towards Uh, viewing gratitude. However, as mentioned, there are a lot of differing views. So I want to kind of define it a little bit further. It's not simply writing things down in a journal. I feel like whenever we talk about gratitude or if we're searching, uh, whether on social media or in a search engine, ways to practice gratitude, one of the very first things that pops up is write down things in a journal. And I want to kind of unpick this a little bit because that is actually a really powerful practice, but it's not simply writing things down. Because what tends to happen is that we sit with our gratitude book, you know, you've seen them all before, a five minute gratitude journal, and it just tells you every single day, write down three to five things. So every single day, I'm just going to be knocking those off my list. But if I'm not being reflective about the process, then I'm not actually gaining the benefit of the practice. The second thing that I want to kind of unpick is that it's just pretending that you're grateful for the hardships. There's a lot of misconception that gratitude means that you just need to feel happy and well grateful for every single part of your life. And while in theory, that does, it does make sense and it does allow us to be practicing gratitude, it doesn't mean that we're just going to fake it and pretend We really have to be reflective through the process so we can actually identify authentically the parts of the hardship that we're grateful for. Now, what you might have caught then is that the big word that I want to emphasize when talking about gratitude is reflection. You know, we need to actively be reflecting on the positive things that have come up throughout the day. We then need to be reliving the strong, positive emotions. 
The reason why they tell us to write it down is because they actually want us to relive the experience. Doing so, like recalling it in vivid detail, it makes that memory stickier in our brain, which means that when we're aging, those memories, they'll be easier pulled up. It's also important to share our joy with others. Part of the big strands of gratitude that is often overlooked is the fact that it's not just about yourself. It's about how others have impacted your life through the ripple effect, through paying it forward, through uh, connecting with you, and therefore providing you with the ability or the opportunity to have joy. The last one is also uh, mindfully observing your day for more grateful things. Now, because gratitude is a practice, the more that we reflectively go through that process, the more our brain will become primed to see the glass half full, right? We'll be able to see things in a more positive way. So now that we know what gratitude is, let's take a look at the definition by someone who is creating the gratitude project. So Dr. Robert Emons, he also specifies that processing a life experience through a grateful lens does not mean denying negativity. Instead, it means realizing the power you have to transform an obstacle into an opportunity. I really think that's powerful because we have this sense that someone with positive mental headspace or good mental well-being is always happy or always on their A game. And that's not the case. It's not even realistic. And despite what social media is trying to highlight, you know, that highlight reel, we need to remember that individuals who have strong mental well-being are those who are able to reflect upon their life experience, acknowledge the feelings that they are having, even the negative ones, but then actively be able to see that there's another way of observing things. You know, we can never control anything except our own experience and how we perceive things. So where does gratitude come from? Now, gratitude actually has a really long history and some of it is really well-documented and others is implied. Um, but there's a belief that it's actually an evolutionary trait of becoming a virtue within the human race. And it stems from other mammals actually displaying reciprocity, oh, I was practicing this word earlier, reciprocity relationships which means that they actually are able to kind of keep track of other individuals who have done something nice for them. So they almost feel not necessarily indebted, but motivated to reciprocate. And so because we've seen this in other um, species, there's a belief system that it actually allows us to thrive as, as a species and as individuals. Another belief is that it comes from different philo uh, philosophers. One of them in particular, Cicero, he believes that it's not only the greatest, but also the mother of all remaining virtues. So from gratitude, 
they believe that all of the other virtues kind of stem from respect, loyalty, kindness, patience. They're all able to come because you practice this one virtue. Another way that we can kind of see gratitude uh, not foreshadowed, but hinted at throughout time is through religion. There's a lot of religions that practice prayer and prayer is an opportunity for you to reflect on what you're grateful for. Uh, lastly, it is actually becoming a scientific field of study within positive psychology because of its ability to impact and support mental well-being. So let's dive into that part a little bit more, the science, I guess, behind gratitude. How can it alter the brain's structure? It's actually in a couple of different ways. So there's the brain and it has different chemical, um, chemicals that it releases at different times to evoke different feelings within the body. So when we practice gratitude, we're actually enabling our brain to release different positive um, uh, chemicals like endorphins or serotonin and maintaining cortisol levels. So it allows us to kind of change the balance of those chemicals within our brain to ensure that we're maintaining homeostasis and making sure that we're not... Um, going forward in a panicked way where our amygdala, the part of the brain that does the fight, flight, freeze, is really reacting or responding. Another way is that it helps to create pathways in the hippocampus so we have a stronger response later on. So the hippocampus, if you remember from some of our previous sessions, is the inner part of the palm where we have our memory saver as represented by the elephant. And that's the part of the brain that helps us to pull up memories so we could then make good decisions on whether we should fight, flight, or freeze. And so by allowing ourselves to practice more gratitude, we're creating stronger pathways within our memory saver, within the hippocampus, to look for these moments of gratitude more often. So instead of it becoming something that's just in our peripherals that we hardly ever notice, it's something that we're bringing to the forefront of our view and we're starting to see them because it triggers a positive response within that prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that makes good decisions or not so good decisions. The overall process is that it actually lowers stress and anxiety responses. So in previous videos, we talked about how to overcome overwhelm. And in that video, we talked about how we would teach the brain to younger individuals. And again, this is the image that we used. So we have our palm up ahead. We hide the thumb underneath. And we talk about the prefrontal cortex, the PFC being the wise eagle up at the top they make all of the good decisions. Underneath it, if we open it, again, is our hippocampus, and that's where our memory-saving elephant is. And then the thumb is the amygdala, it's the guard dog. It's the one that's gonna sound off the alarms or put us into a fight, flight, freeze reaction, also can be considered as the anxiety reaction. And so through, uh, 
teaching or educating individuals about the part of the brain, we can actually identify how we're using all of these um, benefits of gratitude to alter it. So again, it would lower the stress response because our hippocampus would be looking for more ways that we could feel the joy from those uh, grateful moments. Our PFC gets a positive response from acknowledging all of those grateful moments. So again, it's feeling um, excited, I suppose. And because of that, our guard dog doesn't feel like it needs to push us through a, um, an overwhelming state or a state of feeling unset and unsettled. And so all of that kind of working together allows us to maintain our own mental well-being. Of course, that's a simplified version. If we were to actually look at the different processes, we would recognize this again from one of our previous videos where we talked about how to support individuals who are experiencing a lot of overwhelm or anxiety. And we talked about how when the amygdala is triggered, right, your guard dog, the flight, fight, or freeze reaction, what it does is it turns off the PFC. So it turns off your ability to make decisions. And so this is often what happens that when individuals are feeling really overwhelmed or they're going through severe anxiety, they feel like they have no memory or they feel as though they're kind of going through that brain fog feeling, it's because your amygdala has created a reaction that's turned off your ability to make good decisions with the prefrontal cortex. So one of the ways that we can stop ourselves going all the way to the end with the heightened emotions is to introduce mindful breathing. So as soon as you start to realize that feeling of um, maybe a wave coming over you, or perhaps you can start feeling a little bit tense in your chest or queasy in your stomach, that would be a good indication that your amygdala is on alert and to start introducing some mindful breaths. Mindful breaths can be as simple as doing a box breath, which is inhaling for a four count, holding for a four count, exhaling for a four count, holding out for a four count. So just through that process, you're then allowing your heart rate to slow, your alarm becomes less severe, and that PFC, your wise owl, is allowed to stay in control and make decisions. In that moment, we have a choice. We can either use that time to reflect upon what was going on, what triggered me, and can I make sure that I'm handling these triggers so they don't become overwhelming in the future? If you don't feel like you have that time because it might be that you're really busy or you're at work or there's other things going on, we can actually pause and take a moment to practice gratitude. So it actually goes through it kind of is the extension to last month's topic of discussing mental well-being and how to support individuals who feel anxious. That second step is practicing gratitude. Now, one of the reasons is because gratitude takes us from looking at the future, which is anxiety, 
or the past, which is depression, and brings us into the present moment. Now, there were there's a lot of different research, but one of my favorites was actually looking at 300 young adults at university level who were seeking support for anxiety and depression. So they split them up into three different cohorts. The first just received counseling. The second received counseling, and then they were in, uh, encouraged to reflect upon traumatic experiences. So this would be typical to talk therapy where you might go back into your past to try and fix your future. That was their process. The third cohort um, went through counseling as well. And then they also went through letter writing. So letter writing of grateful moments that you shared with someone else. And what they realized was that individuals who just had counseling had the middle kind of outcome. Individuals who also ex uh, reflected upon traumatic experiences, they had the least positive outcome. And those who were expressing gratitude had the most positive outcome. And then so they decided to dig a little deeper and decided if it was just letter writing that actually supported individuals' mental well-being. And they discovered that it was actually the comparison of the word choices, because in traumatic experiences or even just prose, like a stream of conscious writing, individuals tend to focus on I, so first person, and there tends to be more negative words and feelings, stronger negative feelings. Where in contrast, when we write letters of gratitude, our writing is filled with we and you. So it takes, it shifts it from a first person to a third person. And the feelings that are presented within the letter of gratitude are a lot stronger and more positive. And so it's actually not the fact that we just wrote a letter. It's the fact that we're training our brain to focus on the collective positive, strong feelings of emotion. So knowing that then, how do we practice gratitude, right? Can we just write down three things and be done with it? Yes and no. Yes and no. The first and most important thing is to be reflective. I've said it a couple of times today. It's to reflect upon the day. How many of us get to the end of the day and don't even realize that a whole day has gone by, a whole 12 hours, 14 hours, 60 hours, whatever you consider to be the day? How many of us drive home after work and don't remember driving? It's really important that we become accustomed to practicing mindfulness throughout our day so that way there we can start catching those small moments that do truly spark joy and connection, especially right now. Those little moments of being able to feel seen and to acknowledge others, they spark joy so much more than I think any of us really could have ever imagined. The next thing is to relive the feelings, right? We want to make those memories stickier in our brain so we can recall them when we're 100 years old. And so we want to remember them in as much vivid detail as possible. Then you're going to actually write it down and you're going to actively observe. And I think through this process, you'll slowly start to develop a routine or a habit around it. 
And the best part about gratitude and mindfulness and just well-being in general is that it's never just a tick list. It's never just, I've done it once, I've written my three, I can close the book and be done with it. It's a practice. And therefore, there's going to be days where you're stuck sitting at your paper thinking, today was awful. There actually, I can't think of a moment. And as you go through every single little step, you might actually think to yourself, you know what? There was a moment when I was sitting at my desk and I was piled in work and I had so much to do that the sun just peeked through the window. And I remember feeling it on my face. And even though it was winter, I just felt that warmth and that was amazing. But you wouldn't have noticed that if you weren't actively reflecting on your day. So, Another thing that we need to talk about is the secret approaches. So yes, you can reflect upon your day. Yes, you can identify positive things, but there are more steps to it. Steps that will allow us to bring it even deeper into our being. So it becomes an actual virtue, something that you do live by. The first one is to reflect upon death and loss. Now, this might sound counterintuitive, but the fact is that life is not guaranteed forever. And the more that we're able to appreciate loss and things ending, the more that we're going to start appreciating life and beginnings. So a, um, a task that we've used with some of the students that we do emotional well-being coaching with is to discuss with them or have them journal upon what they would want individuals that they love to say about them at their funeral. And when working with children, it's it's a funny it's a funny thing to be talking to them about death when they're so young, but I believe that by talking to them, A, it reduces the fear, you know, because if it's mentionable, it's manageable, but also because it allows them to start creating their own set of core values, their own mission statement, if you will. And it allows them to feel more confident in themselves because they're, they're feeling more autonomous, more in control, and like they are in control of how people are going to uh, remember them because what individuals say about you is in correlation to how you present yourself and what you think of your own self. So by having individuals say nice things about you, we kind of need to work that process backwards. And so it encourages that gratitude towards opportunities that allow us to live into our virtues so other individuals can see it and then eventually remember us by those virtues. The next thing is to most importantly, remember that you're not alone and you're not self-sufficient, right? We came into this world because of other people's actions. We came into this world and relied on others. At every stage of our lives, there is a sense of not being self-sufficient. And I know that's controversial to say because a lot of us believe that 
or in, in, in our cultural society, there's a belief that we need to be self-sufficient and we need to be independent and we need to be able to stand alone. And while I agree and support confidence and self-sufficiency and being able to advocate for ourselves, I think it's even more important to appreciate the opportunities and impact that others have placed on ourselves and what we can then present to others. So seeing that there is a connection in between everyone and then acknowledging it. So one of the ways we can do so is, is writing a letter, is taking pen to paper and expressing to someone how we feel. And for those of you wondering, no, you do not have to send the letter in order to get the benefit of practicing gratitude. It's a choice. If it's something that you feel you're happy to share, I'm sure the recipient would be grateful for the opportunity. However, you do not need to do so in order to reap the benefits. So the other thing that we need to acknowledge is that there, there is a formula. You know, it's, it's not cut and dry on how to do it. I'm just of a formulaic mind and I like to know processes. So I've written out a formula for ways to express gratitude. And so we can do it by acknowledging the intention. So for instance, I'm grateful for you emptying the dishwasher when you see that I'm busy. It, it, it allows our, our gratitude to feel more authentic to the recipient. It allows our brain to connect someone doing the dishwasher to a feeling of joy and gratitude. So it's rewiring that brain. Whereas if you just said, I'm grateful, well, what are you grateful for? The next way that we can show gratitude is by acknowledging the cost. So I'm really grateful for you helping your sibling with homework, even though you were tired from doing your own. You know, it's important for us to be able to accept that other people doing things that have a positive impact on ourselves tend to come at a cost. And without acknowledging it, we have the tendency of becoming dismissive or not necessarily appreciative of the individuals around us and the things that they're providing for us. And so it's one of those sayings that you don't know what you've got until it's gone. So appreciating it now will help to embed that culture within your own family. Lastly, it's to acknowledge the value. So thank you for texting me when you get to your friends so that I feel comfortable and I know that you're safe. So you're showing them that you value that they've taken the time out of their schedule to acknowledge that you have feelings as well. And so by doing those things, those uh, showing the intention, the cost and the value, we're allowing individuals to truly feel the gratitude and really make it feel like it's authentic as well. So how do we introduce it into our everyday lives? I'm sure you're thinking, well, I could just grab that journal and I can start writing down those three things every day. And you won't be wrong as long as you're being reflective like we discussed. However, there are some other ways that you can do it as well. And I believe these are probably powerful because they are age um, appropriate. You can bring them into different age groups and they would work just fine. So the first is to teach the formula for showing gratitude. 
like we discussed, acknowledging the intention that someone has had, the value that they've provided you, and the cost that it might have been to themselves. So by teaching this formula through modeling, we're creating a culture where this becomes a common, a common thing to do. And it allows not only yourself to feel the, the joy because of your receiving the, the act that someone has provided you, but you're also sharing the gratitude because you're authentically acknowledging it. The next one is to track moments of happiness and gratitude. And one of the ways that you can do so is to get a jar at the beginning of the year, right now, next week, whenever you choose, find little pieces of paper. And every time that you have a moment that was happy or that you're proud of, or there's been a breakthrough, or you've just felt really appreciated, you would write it down, reflect upon it, relive the emotion so it becomes a sticky memory and then you put it inside the jar and then at the end of the year or the term or whichever time length that you choose you take time to go through each of them and you'll be surprised about how easily those memories kind of come forward especially if you've taken the time to relive them before you write them down and put them in the jar and the last thing is for you to write a letter as we've mentioned before, writing a letter is a really powerful way for you to share the gratitude that you're feeling with others. As mentioned, you don't necessarily have to send them. However, it would provide an opportunity for that individual to also feel that gratitude. But writing it down allows your brain to shift from an I vision to a we vision and also really start to become accustomed to pulling up the positive things that happen and acknowledging them as well. So those are your three different activities that you can use to introduce gratitude into your own life, your workspace, or your family life. Okay, so that is the end of the official webinar today. I'm really grateful that you took the time out of your evenings to spend this with me. I'm going to be opening up the chat box now for an impromptu kind of Q&A or comment section. I am going to stop recording though as 